Welcome, and thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. The coronavirus continues its march across the globe, and it's a scary, disconcerting time. But today, we hear about a different march into an area by a completely different entity. Here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun on Palm Sunday. And now, let me read to you the scripture passage for this morning. It's from Luke chapter 19, and I'm going to begin at verse 29. Luke 19, verse 29. And here's what it says. When Jesus had come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, hey, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he now was approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. And he answered, Hey, brah. No, he didn't say that. He said, I tell you, if, they were, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. As he came near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, if you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. Indeed, the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up ramparts around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and they will crush you to the ground and you and your children within you and they will not leave within you one stone upon another because you didn't recognize the time of your visitation from God. Then he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling things there. And he said, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching in the temple. The chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people kept looking for a way to kill him. But they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were spellbound by what they heard. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What a marvelous story and such a cataclysmic time that Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, the last week of his time on earth, at least until the crucifixion. And it is time of the Passover, the most holy feast of the Passover time where 
Some say maybe a quarter million households, which might mean a million people, flocked to Jerusalem. This was the time that they would buy or bring a lamb and have the lamb killed to atone for their sins and to also to remember what happened when the um, Jews left, uh, left and went out to, um, and they were saved and went out of Egypt into the Promised Land. And so let's go through this story again. So Jesus comes and he tells the disciples to go find a colt that has never been written, ridden. And if anyone asks you, are you untying it? Just say, the Lord needs it. And so the disciples went and they were a little concerned, like we just like take somebody's colt. And they did that. And the owners indeed said, hey, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord needs it. And so the owner said, okay, take it. So the first part of the story is a very important part, that there are times when we hear the voice, the Lord needs it. And whether it's something we have or a time or a talent, when the Lord says, hey, I need you to do this, we better respond. We have to remember everything that we have, whether it's a car or whatever, is really the Lord's car. And if the Lord needs it, we should lend it out. We should let people use it as an example. But listen to that voice now and again where the Lord says, hey, I need that, or I need you to do something. And may we have obedient hearts, attentive hearts to even hear the voice, but then obedient hearts to actually obey and follow through on what he's asked us to do. Well, and then comes the big part. He comes into Jerusalem and people um, are spreading their cloaks on the road. And also, in other translations, it talks about the palm fronds being waved. And so, several things here. Jesus is coming in on a young donkey, or a colt, as it says. And it's very interesting because when a king goes out from a city to attack or have a conquest, he rides a horse. But when the king has won the city and he comes in, he normally rides on a donkey, or in this case, a colt, a young donkey. And it means that there is peace, and it means there's victory. And so as Jesus comes into Jerusalem, there's a symbol that he is the king, and the true king, the king of kings, and he comes to offer peace, that he is victorious. And so they put the cloaks on the road, and the palm waving is part of the tradition of when a king comes through, and they honor him. And then we notice that they say, blessed is the king, or in some translations, they say, Hosanna, again to say, save us, save us. So this is an amazing cinematic scene. Can you imagine? Thousands of people there. He's riding in. But then the normal bad guys in the Bible, the guys who um, wear the black hats, so to speak, like in cowboy movies, they said, hey, teacher, order your disciples to stop. Stop all this praise stuff. You see, the Pharisees are the ones who made the rules, the rituals, the regulations. They're into the religion that if you follow certain things, then you will be saved. And this may surprise some of you that Christianity is not a religion in the sense of if I do these things, I can win salvation to God. It's about a relationship with God, and God comes down to earth in the form of a man, Jesus, to have a friendship. And that's the word Jesus used. I want to be your friend. And so here is God himself in the form of a man, Jesus of Nazareth, riding into Jerusalem. And 
it is during Passover, so it's amazing parallel and symbolism that he's the Lamb of God who is going to give his life to atone for all of the sins of humankind, yours and mine. And the Pharisees say, hey, enough of this praise with this Jesus, because they see him just as a human and just as a threat to their political power and their religious power. So they say, tell your disciples to stop this. And he says, hey, look, if I told them to be silent, even the stones would shout out in praise because he is God. Now, here's something I actually have missed for years, and as I was preparing for this talk today, it, this really caught my attention. And now we're in verse 41. As Jesus came near and saw the city, he wept over it. And somehow, somehow I've, I've missed that over the years. I remember the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, when he wept over his one of his best friends, Lazarus, who had died. But here he walks in, or rides in, and he's, he's weeping. Somehow I miss that. So the question is, why is he crying as he's coming into Jerusalem? He sees the city in the distance. Tears are in his eyes. Maybe there's a lump in his throat. So when we come to the next verse in 42, then we realize that he is saying this as he's crying. It takes a whole new meaning. If he says, if you, even you, had only recognized on this day the hidden, the things that make for peace, that he's coming to bring and offer you peace. But now they're hidden from your eyes. Indeed, the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up ramparts around you and surround you and hem you in on every side, and they will crush you to the ground, and you and your children within you, and they will not leave within you one stone upon another, because you didn't recognize the time of your visitation from God. Jesus is fully human, fully God. And when I read this, it really struck me that Jesus is crying and saying, don't you all understand that, yes, you're oppressed by the Romans, you're oppressed maybe by poverty, you're oppressed by disease, but I came here to offer you peace, a stable peace, no matter what the challenge is, and that because you didn't listen to me, someday you realize that there are going to be enemies who will attack you and crush you because you didn't recognize the time of your visitation from God. You know, there are a lot of things going on in our lives, and, and I'm not just talking about the coronavirus. Apart from the coronavirus, I know in our church there are so many issues. There are marriages that are strained, there are friendships that are strained, there are financial pressures, there are sickness and illness. And so when coronavirus descends upon us, in addition to all of the other things, we can feel that this enemy, which for now the biggest enemy is the coronavirus, can crush us to the ground. I mean, when I read these verses, I can think of COVID-19. They will crush us to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave within one, you one stone upon another because you didn't recognize the time of your visitation from God. Now, I am not saying that the disease is coming because you didn't recognize it was Jesus. But I am saying 
These are times when we feel that the enemies have set up ramparts around us and surround us. Our problems, our disease, our finances, our relationship strains, our unwillingness to give forgiveness or receive forgiveness, all of that is descending upon us. And it's a heightened time. Many have lost jobs. Many have lost loved ones. Some are suffering with the pain of a disease or the pain of these other heartaches that I've mentioned. You know, what's interesting is that here again, Jesus is so prophetic. You know, he was prophetic early uh, in, tell of t in terms of telling the future that if you go to this, these people, I can get a colt and they will let you use it for me to write in. But here again, if we look back in history, what's so interesting about this, because Jesus said these words around 30 AD, but in, at 70, uh, in 70 AD, a general named Titus came to take over Jerusalem. And what happened then actually is fulfilled by this passage. He came and tried to attack Jerusalem, and there were a lot of people inside who were defending it. He couldn't get in. So what he did is he built, built a wall around Jerusalem and starved the city. And then when they were weak, they broke through and took over the city, destroyed the city. You couldn't find one stone upon another. It was because of this attack that the Sadducees, other religious, a religious party, and the Essenes, some zealots, that was the end of them in history. And they destroyed the Holy Temple, which was actually the second temple in Israel's history. But they totally destroyed it except for one wall, which many of you know what that wall is. It's the Wailing Wall. It's the only part left of the Holy Temple that got destroyed. And so, in a sense, what Jesus said here was fulfilled in 70 AD that the enemy set up ramparts around them, surrounded them, hemmed them in, and then they crushed them. But I'm using this as a metaphor. I think today, more than a long, long time, we have feel so attacked because of the COVID-19. And things are shut down and people have lost income and they may have lost loved ones. I think of my cousins in New York City. They wrote me an email. One of their closest friends um, died. And there's another one who is dying. And they said, this is worse than when 9-11 hit our city. And I was so stunned when they said that. Because more have died in the, in the total amount than those who died at 9-11. But more importantly, it, during 9-11, they could still meet and worship together in person. They could meet in small groups. They could hug each other and hold hands and pray with one another. But now in New York, they can't do that as they're losing loved ones. They can't even go to funerals at this time. And so let's move on in this passage that Jesus comes in. He's crying. He says these things. If only you recognize on this day the things that make for peace very interesting um, verse. And then we see that Jesus gets really ticked off. He gets really angry. It's so rare to see our Lord angry in this way. He comes into the temple and he began to drive out those who were selling things there. This is verse 45. And we know in other gospels uh, stories about Jesus that he gets really ticked off, really angry. He makes a whip. He doesn't hit anybody, but he cracks them in the air. He's overturning tables. He's chasing people out. Why? Because he says in verse 46, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer. It's not supposed to be all this other stuff. 
where people had money-changing tables and people were lending money to those who were coming into the temple to do Passover and, uh, worship and honoring God, but they're charging higher than what even the Romans were asking, tax upon tax. And he said, this is horrible, but also they were, they were blocking the Gentiles from f fully going in and getting to know who this God is. And this is stunning because he says, you have made it a den of robbers, not a house of prayer. And I would say, at times, it is almost like that people are coming into the Jerusalem of our hearts, the holy temple of our hearts, and they're robbing us of having an intimate relationship with Jesus. Now, how is that so? Well, first of all, he's saying it, this should be a house of prayer. And I know during this time of lockdown or shutdown or shelter in place that many of us have to stay home. And some of you are in essential jobs, and especially you in the medical field. Praise God for you for being on the front lines. But others are staying home. And the question is, is this a time of getting closer to God, trusting God more, doing things in His name? Or is that a time where we just think about ourselves and not thinking about others. You know, all those passages prior to coronavirus about helping the poor and helping the stranger in the land and helping the prisoners, uh, later other passages, you know, um, helping the widows, that's still true. It's not like those are not true. They're still true in the midst of coronavirus. We can't forget those. And so sometimes when we get anxious, when we get worried, we can get very selfish and only think about ourselves. And it's as if these robbers come in and take away our intimacy with Jesus. And we let anxiety overrule us. I, I mentioned a few Sundays ago, don't forget the passage of 2 Timothy 1, uh, 7, uh, where it talks about, you know, uh, the... God has not given you a spirit of fear or timidity or some translations cowardice. He's given you a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. So don't let circumstances be robbers that take that away. And in a sense of prayer, I hope, I hope, I hope that during this time of lockdown or shelter in place, that we have spent more time in prayer, not just only about, Lord, protect me and my family and friends, but we're really praying for the state, really praying for the world, for our country, and praying that Jesus would push back this dark disease. And we have not seen um, as many deaths as other states, but the Lord, by His grace and mercy, may be holding the line for us if our people are on our knees praying. You know, I'm hoping during this time we are thinking of ways of helping others. It'll be easy to think about ourselves. And, you know, some churches, and maybe our church will do that too, they put buttons on their website that say, like, check off get help, you need help, or give help. Get help, please give me some help, or give help. And I'm hoping we'll be sensitive to the fact that we should be helping others and not just thinking about ourselves. It would be... Something that would throw me if after all of this happens and we come back together and I say to people, hey, what did you do during that time when we were all shut down? And if I just hear, said, well, 
I didn't help anybody, but you know what? I saw five seasons of Downton Abbey, and I, I saw five seasons of Breaking Bad or The Wire or whatever you may be liking to watch. I mean, I would just be stunned. It's like, that's what you did? You just like binged all that time and you didn't think about helping people? And that's our challenge. If we're followers of Jesus Christ, how is it different than those who aren't followers of Jesus? Do we have a heart to help others at this radical time that has taken away our employment and for some taken away their health and just really ripped up families? And then, if we move on, it says in 47, every day he was teaching in the temple. The chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people kept looking for a way to kill him, but they did not find anything they could do for all the people were spellbound by what they heard. Or in some translations, I love how it says, they hung on every word of Jesus. And I hope during this time that we are finding moments where in reading the Bible or in our prayer time, that we're hanging on every word that Jesus is saying to us, either in our minds or in scripture or in our prayers. It would be very tempting to use this time just to fret, but not draw closer to Jesus. It's a time when we have to even be more passionate and more radical in how we want to respond to help ourselves and, and help others. I think in, in secular terms of how some people have such great passion for other things. I, I think, you know, a, a couple weeks ago we had a, a youth pastor I was interviewing for the service. He's from Green Bay, Wisconsin. And I think of the Green Bay Packers, a famous football team, and I think of their fans. You know, their fans will sit in the stands in sub-zero weather with snow all around them, and icicles coming off their nose or their chins, and, and it's the frozen tundra on the football field, and they're willing to spend hundreds of dollars on tickets, hundreds of dollars on, uh, on snacks and hot dogs and things like that. And they'll do it every Sunday. They won't miss it. And I'm amazed by how much they are a fan for this kind of entertainment. And then I think somehow, sometimes Western world or American Christians who go, oh, looks a little drizzly today. I don't think we're going to go to church. Or I think I'm going to sleep in so that I can watch NFL football. That kind of dedication is so admirable, what these football fans have, but this is a time to recheck our hearts in the temple courts of our hearts to see, do we have that same dedication that our hearts are really a house of prayer and that there's not this den of robbers who's stealing our time and stealing our passion and we're getting so interested in all these other things. We're a time in this country that if things have been sucked out of our lives, there's no NBA, there's no NFL, there's no major league baseball, there's no March Madness basketball, there are no concerts that are being taken away from us. All of that stimulated us, all of that was entertainment for us. And as that comes out, what comes in, or rather what is there already, has it become a den of robbers or is it a house of prayer? And then we, we go on into verse 47, every day Jesus was teaching the temple the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people kept looking for a way to kill him, but they did not find anything they could do 
for all the people were spellbound by what they heard when they listened to Jesus. Or in some translations, they hung on every word of Jesus. And I think that's really a call out to us today, a shout out from the Lord. Where are we right now in the most holy place? Has Jesus really entered into the Jerusalem of our hearts? Has he come into the holy city of our souls and our minds, our lives? Is he really there? And do we have that same kind of dedication to him as like a Green Bay Packer fan to football? Do we hang on every word as we read the scripture or as we pray to him and we hear his advice through this or in other ways? This is really a time for an important spiritual inventory. Where are we? Has Jesus come into the Jerusalem of our hearts? Is he there to really be the Lord of our life? Is he there has he ridden in and have we heard his word that he offers us peace? And hopefully he's not saying to us what Jesus said when he came into the city and was weeping. If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace. Or are they hidden from our eyes, as the Lord said? And so I would like to close this message by saying, would you really think right now, have you and I allowed Jesus into the Jerusalem of our hearts? Has he come in? Yes, we're saying, Hosanna, save us. But are we saying, you are the Lord. You offer us friendship. That was the word Jesus used. I want to be your friends. And you offer us peace. Boy, do we need that. Through the Holy Spirit, he offers his comfort, his wisdom at this time, his counsel. And so we have a chance to say, okay, I want to realign or I want to, for the first time, start a journey with you, Lord. And I want you to be the Lord of my heart, the boss, the CEO of my heart. And I do want to try and follow you in every way I can. I once said to you a few weeks ago that my prayer when I started my journey of faith as a Christian was just a simple prayer. It wasn't the greatest prayer of faith, but it was, okay, Jesus, Lord, if you are who you say you are, then come into my life. It was my way of saying, come into the Jerusalem of my heart. And so let us pray together right now. I'm going to lead us in, some, in a very important prayer. So please join me. Lord, you have gathered us together to worship and to hear this word. And Lord, if there are any people out there who really want to make, maybe it's a, a first-time decision to say, okay, I want to commit to you. I really want to get to know you better as friend and Lord and Savior. I want to know your peace. I want to know you so well that I will hang on every word you say. Then, Lord, I'm going to ask people, if, if you're on the live stream, just to like, hit that button that says, I commit my life to Christ. And some of our, our prayer team will 
try to contact you later and, and, um, and talk to you and pray with you. But if you're, you're not on live stream and you can't do that, then in your own way, just pray a prayer simple as this. Just to say, sorry, 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 thank you, please. To say, Lord, to being honest and authentic, Lord, I'm sorry for some of the things I've done. And as you rode into Jerusalem on Passover, so you were going to say that you gave your life for us to take away of our sins. You were crucified as the innocent Lamb of God. And Lord, I'm sorry for the sins I've done that made you have to die for me and you took a bullet for me. But I want to say thank you for saving me and loving me and offering me a new life. And now please, please come into my life. Reside in the Jerusalem of my heart. And I really do want to follow you to the best of my ability. And so, Lord, thank you so much. And I pray as I follow you, I will hang on every word you say. In Christ's name, amen. And so, click that button or contact the church, email us or call us up and we'd love to help you in your spiritual journey. And so as we close this, I just want to remind everybody again, if we can help in any way, call the church, email us, uh, click buttons if you're on live stream, and we would love to be in contact with you. But now let me close with a blessing for all of you. As I say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you. His countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love and grace and mercy of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And may we hang on every word of His this coming week. In Christ's name, amen. God bless, and uh, see you again soon. Aloha. Think of today as a spiritual checkup of sorts. Do we have Jesus in our lives? If not, now is the time to accept him. If we do call ourselves followers of Jesus, do we still have him front and center in our lives? If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Normally, we meet Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at the Vine in Kaka'ako, but for now, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church website, fpchawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click on Online Church at our regular church service times, Sunday morning at 8, 9.30, and 11.11, and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. Be sure to check out your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, and daily devotionals. And you can always call the church with questions, 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2020 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.